This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back, listening to Militantly Mixed. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine. And I announced earlier this week on social media that I was going to be taking, I guess, a mental health break during the month of April. Um, listening back to my last couple episodes and realizing, just realizing kind of the depth of emotion that I've been going through and not really being able to kind of clamp it down just for the sake of doing a 10 to 15 minute intro really started to get to me. Um, not to mention conversations with loved ones who have told me that it's okay to take breaks and me being stubborn and them telling me that I can dish out the advice about taking mental health breaks, but not take that advice myself. Coupled with that, I just found out I have a health issue I was not aware of last week, so I have to sort out some of my health things. And by the time you'll be listening to this episode, or by the time it's available to listen, I will be traveling for my speaking engagements in Northern California. So I got a lot going on, and I finally have to admit that it is okay to take these breaks. I do need time to kind of give in to my grief for a little bit, because I've been trying to block it just for the sake of being functional and fighting that depression tooth and nail, um, hoping that it doesn't envelop me. I really need to kind of focus and take that break. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. But the show is not going to slow down for this. Because I do have several banked episodes, I there will not be a gap or at least not for the foreseeable next two or three weeks, there will not be a gap for Militantly Mix. Um, those episodes will go out. I have made commitments to a couple of people for specific dates, so I'm not going to shirk those commitments just because I'm dealing with some stuff. Those, com- those episodes are going to air, including the one that you're about to listen to. I got some great stuff, so I don't want to, to slow that down. And so basically what the break means when I say I'm taking a break, I will slow down a bit on social media, which I've kind of been doing for the last couple of weeks anyway. I'm not going to be interviewing any new people with the exception of the people I'm, I'll be interviewing when I'm doing my speaking engagements next week. I will not be interviewing any new people during at least for the next probably two, three weeks in April, but I have plenty of banked interviews so that there won't be any gaps in the show. And I'm not going to be vetting any future guests until May because I just that's actually a pretty heavy emotional drain to be able to do as well. Not a bad, not drain in a bad way, but just the uh, listening to the stories of all my, my potential mixed race guests and hearing the struggles that they deal with and comparing them to my own struggles, things like that, that can be really emotionally heavy to, to go through. And then sometimes we get into some really heavy stuff on the interview. And so you got to come down from that. So it's just kind of piling up, I guess, a little bit. And I just need to take a little bit of a break to kind of slough off the heaviness. And and then I can get back at it fully refreshed and ready to go. But like I said, you as the audience member will not see or listen to any gaps because the episodes are still going to be present. Um, the the break that I'm going to be taking is, is sort of seeking new guests, uh, doing long intros, um, 
social media posts and promotion and things like that. I'm just going to kind of slow down for my own personal health during the month of April. And then I'll kind of kick back into gear after that. Um, when things kind of level out a little bit, I need to, I need to deal with my grief and everything right now as being kind of the biggest thing so that I can kind of get through a day without, uh, being reduced to a puddle of, of tears. Uh, that's pretty much the big thing. So I, not that I think it's a bad thing. It's just something that I don't want to be doing every day of my life. I want to get to a place where I can kind of function. <laughs> so that's what's happening. Okay, that's the heavy stuff. By the time you'll be listening to this, or by the time it's available anyways, uh, two of my three major events are going to be done. So I'm not going to promote those necessarily on this recording, but there still would be one more event about to happen, which will be Wednesday, April 3rd at Sierra College for the Love Your Body Week. So if you're interested in that, you can probably do a Google search for Sierra College, Rockland, California, the Love Your Body thing. I'm going to be primarily focusing on loving your brown bodies and not allowing the beauty standards of groups that are different than your own to be put onto you and basically not allowing your brown body to be colonized. That is sort of my focus for the Love Your Body Week, my portion of the Love Love Your Body Week participation. So if you're interested, come on down. And then I will be recording all of the events that I am participating in. So depending on how they fit into the militantly mixed structure, they'll either be, they'll either air as a regular episode or they'll air as a special episode because primarily these events I'm going to are focused on the LGBT portion of my intersectionality, not necessarily the mixed race portion, although obviously my, my LGBTness is filtered through my mixed raceness. So it's, it's going to be a part of it. It just might not be the standard militantly mixed episodes. So I'm still going to work out how I will release those to the audience, but certainly uh, my interview that I will be doing with Clarmundo Sullivan at the Lavender Library on April 1st will definitely be an episode of Militantly Mix, barring there's no technical difficulties because I'll be recording it myself in person. That's what I think is everything that I need to announce. Back to sort of the regular things. This show really absolutely survives with the sponsorship and support of our audience. As I say, most weeks, this is a fan-sponsored podcast, and with your support, it really does help us continue to keep going and growing, and that has become evident recently uh, as some of the sponsorship and donations have slowed down a bit. So it absolutely does help. We can definitely use your support. There are two channels for support. There is the patreon.com slash militantlymixed. That is where you can do a monthly sponsorship as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish. There are different reward levels depending on the subscription level that you pick. And as of right now, the subscriptions that we currently get are covering our hosting fees for the show so that you get access to our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube. All of that is through the sponsorship that we receive on Patreon right now. And I am exceedingly grateful that that has continued to go on from pretty much our first, I think, 11 or 10 days of doing the show. We got our first sponsor. So and some people have increased their sponsorship over time, which I'm very grateful for as well. So that's what we got going on on the Patreon side. If you would like to do a one time donation or sort of a every so often donation, you can go to paypal.me slash militantly mix and hit us with a donation as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish as well. And like I said, the Patreon really s- supports our 
hosting fees and kind of the maintenance of the show itself. And the PayPal sponsorship helps me with upgrades. It helps me with promotional materials. Uh, hopefully, as I start to pick up more and more speaking engagements and live recordings, eventually the sponsorship might help us actually travel to different places. So maybe I can come to a city near you at a college or a cafe or a club somewhere uh, where I can do an interview in live and in person in front of an audience. That is something I'm about to do here in Sacramento next week, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I can already tell I want to do more of those. So, and I haven't even gotten there yet. So that's how your sponsorship will help the show. I, I love meeting people that are listening to the show or talking to them through social media. That emotional and moral support is wonderful as well. And it really keeps me on the right track, knowing that this is an important path to continue to follow because mixed folks don't have many channels and many avenues towards a community. And I'm doing my best to try to make sure that we build the biggest mixed race community possible so that everybody feels represented wherever uh, we are. So yeah, I think I will end with that this week and move it on over to my guests and be ready. This is a really great interview. I'm going to play the track of Full Blood Prince first, and then we'll go into the interview. James just made some, some of the things he says early on, I, I remember from the beginning of our conversation was really like touching me directly. A lot of the issues that I've had or a lot of things that I face about in uh, sort of the being exoticized by uh, monoracial people, things like that. We, we cover that. We talk about the complications of just sort of presenting as a mixed race person in the world. He, he's from the UK, I'm from the US, and we both have very similar struggles in terms of that. And it was really a great interview. This is also one that I did without a pre-screen. So we pretty much just got on Skype and started talking and, and went at it, which is not typical for me. As you know, I do, I do pre-screen on my guests just to kind of build rapport. And in this case, we kind of just jumped right in. So, so yeah, that's it. That's what's going on with this episode. Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and move it on to James Dugan and his track, Full Blood Prince. Staring at my face in the mirror Wondering are you black or white I your back and says see me clearer But this ain't just black or white I am so tired being asked where you from Where you really from So done being told your only heart it's no fun being lost in our duality I'll make a space just for me in between Cause I'm a full blood I put you don't belong to us, don't belong to them, don't look at us, don't look at them. So I've got to choose, gotta be like you, gotta think you live the way you want me to make you comfortable. Knowing I've chosen a race that fits my face. I'm a full blood prince. 
drive home tonight. Swear I never lie. Why are you questioning my home all the time? Telling you my skin is not a sign. Do I have a home tonight? Swear I never lie. Why are you questioning my home all the time? Telling you my skin is not a sign. Every conversation is a family dissection. Look at me, lock and broke. Is your unsold brown skin with mocha tone exotic in a foreign zone? No, I'm not what you expect, but you don't have to impart. Oh. Come on, mama, say I can't be her social media, but show me America. Born and bred throughout the heritage, clearly don't fit the stereotype. Let me shine a light, and hopefully one day you can accept me in my full blood. So my guest this week is James Dugan. He is an artist from the UK. And James, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Let us know what your ethnic background is, and then we'll get into it. Hi, yeah. So um, I'm an artist from South London. Uh, I've just started, so I've been doing music properly for about a year now. And I just released my first song um, called Full Blood Prince, which essentially just uh, starts where most people start with me, which is... Uh, my race, the colour of my skin. Um, so yeah, my heritage. Uh, I was born in Britain and I have my dad's from Britain and Ireland. Um, my mum is from India, but the Indian colony that she's from, I think it's Goa, is uh, is actually a Portuguese, Portuguese colony. So we have Portuguese blood on my mum's side as well. Um, so yeah. Okay. And so the way we connected is through Twitter. You ended up um, hitting hitting me up on Twitter about the show, but uh, you you dropped a link to to your song at the time, and it is. I mean, for me, it's just an ideal piece of <laughs> of like, hey, they don't make songs about mixed race people, <laughs> uh, kind of a thing. So why don't you talk about uh, the inspiration behind the actual line? Because there you have some key lines that are just very like any mixed person could hear it no matter what their their ethnic background is and they'd just be like oh my gosh this is my life so why don't you talk about that a little bit yeah sure I mean it was it was kind of weird because when I wrote the song I mean all my songs that I write I kind of write to me or about me and so all those experiences that are in the song all the lines are about me but then when I started to research it because I thought I should look at what other people have experienced um and kind of see you know how it would relate and it was just so so similar i talked to my cousins that are similar to me um have the same same mix and things like where are you from no where are you really from and like the amount you get asked that uh the like comments like you're half brown half white half cast um kind of treating you like half as person you know i got right. once I got, um you are kind of brown from the waist down or something like that or white from the waist up something like that mm. you know, half half your body is what half your body is not um so yeah, I think the whole song is this this thing of um, kind of looking in the mirror and thinking you're half a person, um, and that's how it starts. And the way it ends is kind of getting to a point, and it it draws from um, from Harry Potter, Half Blood Prince, 
because uh, it was weird because I was writing the song and I came in, my mum was watching Half Blood Prince and I thought oh, this is quite a nice title because the concept of it is 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 trying to get to a point for me where I saw myself as a full person who has heritage from all sorts of places uh, instead of this half this and half this, which I personally right. doesn't resonate with me. Um, that doesn't help me think about my identity. Right. And that's something that it's so hard to explain when you're talking to monoracial people. You know, there's the jokes about, about, you know, what body parts we got from what races we come from. Uh, for me, being part Japanese a lot, I get asked if I'm a real Japanese wife, you know, subservient, like the stereotypes, um, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, really gross types of things that people will just dare to ask you how they try to invade our bodies, invade our spaces without even asking permission or they're asking permission as they're already reaching their hands out towards us. The constant mm. exoticism and eroticism of us because we are different from them. Like all mm. of that kind of stuff is just, it's so taxing and so weathering to to our identities that I think in some cases, and maybe especially when we're younger, we tend to just, yeah, sure, whatever you say. You know, yeah, because we don't know what to do. When you like, for me, the the time I'd always get asked, no matter what, I'd always get asked is when I go for a haircut. Because uh, it's like in the mm. UK, you try and make conversation. They usually ask about the weather. Everyone else gets asked about the weather, but the first question is, you know, where are you from? And then you uh... kind of have to be like, I'm going to see for twenty minutes. I could give them a whole family history, or I could just say, you know, just go for what they want. Because if I say London, they always say, no, where where are you really from? Right. And then I have to explain. So that part of your track yeah. was really like hearing that, not just that you said, you know, where are you from? But then you're like, no, but where are you really from? No, but where are you really from? And you have kind of a few, few moments there, re repeat, yeah. repeat uh, repetition of that same line. That is our life in a yeah. nutshell. Like yeah. you can't just be one thing. And so as a young person, I would tell people, like you said, okay, let me give you my family history. Let me show you my credentials. And now as an, as an older person, I'm 41 now, I let mm. them jump through all the hoops. Where are you from? <laughs> Here. <laughs> yeah. No, but well, where are you from? Uh, I'm American, you know, or what nationality? I'm American. Um, yeah. They're like, well, where's that? You know, what does that mean? Well, America from America, you know, American from America. Well, well where are you from? <laughs> California. And, you know, then I go to like what city I lived in and all this kind of stuff until finally they're like, you know what I'm asking you. And, and yeah. I'm like... I'm going to let you ask, you know, because I yeah, want you to know exactly, how yeah. not your business it is if I don't want to tell you. That's exactly that, because the line in the song is, uh, you know, that you, you want me to essentially make you comfortable uh, if I choose a race that fits my face. Um, right. And that essentially just, just hits the nail on the head for me, because um, that just seems what they want to hear. Right. If you've got brown skin, tell me that you're from somewhere with brown skin. So you usually you know I get you know, from Spain to Latin American to Turkish, to everything. So in your presentation then, like in your, apart from say the barbershop or whatever, if you're walking down the street, do people see, do, like you said, they only want to see what's brown in you, but do they see you mm -hmm. as mixed or do they see you as whatever brown they've decided you are? Uh, no, I well, usually I get... Um, they'll think I'm Middle Eastern. That's the main one I think I get. Okay. Most of the time. So they just think I'm they just think I'm foreign. When I start talking, I think that's when people start to think I'm from the UK. Um 
but born here, not not from here. It's one of those weird things where mm-hmm. people hear your accent, but that doesn't mean anything to them. It's, it's they're just focused on your skin color. Right. Um, but I think you know, also you get a lot of people just interested. I think you know, I think I forget that the UK. I don't know actually the stats in America, but the UK is something like ninety percent white. And so if I if I go outside of London, uh, which is like more fifty fifty, yeah, you know, most people have never you know, have rarely interacted with someone who looks like me. Right. And so they they're just interested, and it's a bit like if if you watch this film Get Out mm-hmm. um, by John Pill, it's the concept of that of you know people don't know what to do, and there's this weird thing where they're trying to relate to you, but it comes across completely wrong. Right. Uh, and it's the same thing. I think that people are trying to relate to you and they, they think that your identity is only your race because because yeah. you're mixed race or whatever it is. That's the only thing that's important to you. That's the, that's the only part of your identity that's important. And so they try to relate to that and ask you about it and say, oh, you know, you're exotic or something. Um, oh, fucking exotic. Try Why? You know what I mean? <laughs> Why do they I, call I us that? What it, what it can make, the way that it can make you feel. You know, lots of my friends, I've, I've talked about the song and I said, they say, but what's wrong with me asking where you're from? You know, I'm just interested. I say, but you don't understand when you say no. It's not asking the question. It's deny. It's denying that I'm right. Exactly. I'm and asking again, and that's the problem. And it makes people feel like, um, you know, that I'm. And it's in the song. You know, I'm not from here. But if I go to India, I'm not from there. When I right. go to India, people will get either either angry or they're really confused because they've never seen someone like me. Um, before never 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 but right. they know they they know i kind of indian but they, they have no clue so um it's that thing you're just kind of stuck in the middle um right so in my experience because i have a well both of my grandmothers are from other countries i have a one from japan one from england uh but both of my grandfathers are from here so my understanding of, of British heritage and British culture comes directly from this one lady you know this one woman <laughs> yeah. that i'm re- related to and I found that um, all my preconceived notions and things, and I watch a lot of British comedy and stuff like that, I just had this set view of things. And then when I went to London for the first time, I went with my white cousin, like fully white cousin. He's my my nan's sister's grandchild, you know, like we're mm. we're the we're cousins, but we're totally different races. And we're walking around, and it it makes no sense why we're together because he's probably about 15 years older than me i you know i'm yellow and brown and he's he's just fully white he sounds australian but he's from he it's because he lived he moved there when he was 11 or whatever and people are asking us like what people are straight up asking us why are we together you know they want to understand what's our connection and then you know we say well we're cousins and they're like but no because that's not possible because he's white with an Australian accent and you're whatever the fuck you are. Um, What's the real story. Then there was was like real questions about whether or not I was some kind of a bride, like a, an anchor bride type of a thing. Yes. I got that question in a cafe of all places. And and you're just like, okay. Um, I got asked to see my passport, even though I did not show my passport, you know, things like that. And so it was such a shock because, um, in terms of what Americans get to consume from um, British television or whatever, you almost always mm-hmm. see like one black character and they'll say, oh, but you're half and half. Right. And then mm-hmm. like that's the acknowledgement that like like at least they are aware of mixedness in some form. And so, mm-hmm. you know, get a false sense of security that if I go there, they're going to be 
they're going to be able to detect it and they'll be totally cool and they won't ask me weird questions. Uh, and mm. I was totally wrong about that. In your case, because you are from there and that's that's your culture, that's where you're from and everything like that, but you're constantly othered. Are there spaces that you ever feel like you're fully accepted at a, as a British person? Or do you always have to explain? Um, that's a good question. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, I think on, on a level, um, most people I, I speak to, and I'd say my age, um, it's not that they don't think I'm British. It's that it's, it's this weird thing of kind of like, that's why I say in the song uncomfortable, that they're uncomfortable with it because it's, right. it doesn't sit well that the, my skin colour can also fit with my British identity. So I think there's always, there is always that element of, but, you know, but, you know, you, you have different skin colour. Um, but I think beyond that, I don't think there's anything that, you, that you're not British, uh, mm. if you know what I mean. It just, they, I think they just, it, it gives that feeling of they just don't think it's right. You know, it's still that concept. It seems kind of archaic that now that, you know, Britons, British people are white, you know, Americans are white. Right. It's such a strange thing. Um, and that's why in this, you know, in this song I say, um, show me the Brit, show me the American that, that's born and bred throughout the whole heritage, you know, because you think Native Americans were native to America before, right. you know, loads of people migrated there. And similar to the, you know, if you go back far enough in British history, you'll, you'll see people that migrated here. Right. Um, and so the thing is, where's where's everyone from? You know, I don't really understand why we still have. Yeah, that that a land yeah. just automatically has a particular color of people. Mm. Um, in some places, makes sense, but because the migratory pattern of humanity does, yeah. you know, start south and go north, and maybe it's different for the UK. Like, but here in the states, yeah, of course, because we have indigenous people that are brown. Um, mm. when white people come over and they try to, com they try to, uh, claim America as a real thing, you know, mm. they're like white people have been here or whatever. Uh, yeah, but there were brown people here first. Oh, but they weren't Americans, but that's on the same land. Like, yeah. and they were here for way longer than Americans. Mm. Like even to, to now we haven't been here. Americans haven't been here long enough. And with the indigenous, like without there really being the concept of indigenous people in the UK necessarily, or at least do they count whatever the first white people that showed up there as the indigenous people for, for the Island? Yeah. I, well, this is, this is my, my thing with it is that I, and that's why I put this song out first was that I think it's so easy to, um, to overcomplicate and to overthink race, especially when you start talking to other people, because because they bring their own preconception of the way it should be. Um, and you start to worry about all these little things. Um, but, but for me, you know, it's the my skin, I'm, other people I'm sure will be very different. But for me, my skin color is just my skin color. It's like my facial features. It's my nose, it's my eyes. Right. It's, that's, that's, it's as important as those features. It's no more important than anything else. And my heritage is important and that's, that's his own thing. Um, yeah. But overthinking it, because I, you know, I read I read a lot of comments now about um, about people talking about their experiences, and they're so worried about their responsibilities to one part of the heritage or one part, right. and they feel like they're not fully meeting those requirements um, because they're not being accepted in if it's Japanese or it's you know, um, and that's why I think I wonder whether it be 
people would help. It would help people to just. That's why I say full birth prince is just to accept that you're one person who has all these this rich culture and heritage that you have, and you have your skin color, and you're proud of that, and you're proud of your heritage, and not overthink it to the point where you're so worried about meeting other people's requirements for you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. No, it, it makes it, it makes a lot of sense, and, and that is that's one thing that I really did like about the song when you sent it to me. Because it's it's that thing of us always having to explain that just because I'm technically half white and a quarter black and a quarter Japanese doesn't mm. mean that my identity matches. You know, mm. my like I said, I have a white grandfather I don't know, and I don't know his German-Irish side. I don't have that cultural connection. So it's hard mm. to claim it because I, mm. all I can list it as an ethnicity, but I can't really claim it as mine because I have no access to it. In terms of the the British culture, I have a little bit of an access to it, but primarily I was Japanese and black growing up. I grew up in black Mm. neighborhoods around black people. And when I was home with my mom's side of the family, I was Japanese in my house. So I feel Mm. like I have claim to those places because I have access to those cultural experiences, uh, traditions, language, stuff like that. And, And even my face, like my skin color is this sort of yellow color, but my facial features are more closer to black folks. And so black people can always tell that I'm black. Yeah, It's only happened maybe one time where someone said, you had to tell me, I would never have guessed it. One time in 41 years, a black person told me they couldn't detect it. And that's kind of crazy. Like, it was a totally different experience for me. For you, though, do they ask what generation of, like, because they're othering you and saying your brown obviously comes from somewhere else, so you can't possibly be a real Brit. Do they, do they ask what generation back you count, you, your family comes to? No, I don't usually get that question. When my parents, it's more, um, I get the, that's not your mom. And I'm like, no, that's my mom. Like, that's the first time I ever thought about my race was <clears throat> when I was uh... about, I think, 12. When I properly, because re- all of it just went over my head. Because I think, I don't know why, but as a kid, when I, whenever people would say stuff at school, I'd have that thing of, but people like me don't get racism. I don't know why. I thought, I, you know, I know that people mm. from these places have experienced racism uh, incredibly and in recent history. But I, 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 but I never thought that people like me experienced racism so anytime mm. anyone said anything like at school I get called yellow or you know people would say this blah, blah, blah. I'd never thought that was racism I never ex- thought of it like that but that when my mum so I was in a restaurant and this this waitress came over and she was chatting and then she said oh, my brother was with me and he's a little bit darker than me and she said oh that's your son and then she said is he and she was kind of saying adopted or and my mum was like no that's my son and I, that was the first time I, mm. I got really upset because I was like, that's my mom. That, you know, I'm not adopted. Like, right. I, that, that really upset me. And um, also just the audacity to ask that question. I mean, what if you were adopted and they didn't tell you? And yeah, now you got yeah. some random person who just like shook up your whole yeah. world? Like, how awful. Yeah, so strange. So what but did you what understand find, about yeah. your your ethnicity as a child? Did, did You said it kind of blew past you till you're 12. Did you not? Did you... Can you remember understanding that your parents were different colors and that's just how you guys were versus how other people maybe were? Well, I think, you know, we were chatting before and you said, um, you know, you didn't realize that you weren't black until you, you know, into your uh, teens or something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think that was a similar thing when you're a kid. And that's why I used a picture of me as a kid for the cover art. Mm. Because when I was a kid, I, I, didn't ca- I didn't care. I didn't think about it. I never looked in the mirror and thought anything. I just thought that was my face. Right. Um, it's only when you experience other people and you start to be able to communicate with other people uh, and they bully you or they say, you know, at, when I was 11, people started to say, you're not brown, you're not white, you're not male, you're not female, you're nothing. Um, and that has been true up until most recently. People, I was in a bar and I said, he said, where are you from? And, and I explained and he said, so you're nothing. And I think that's that's when I started to to realize. I started to realize when I was 11, 12, that um, people saw me differently. But it was in, I didn't see it as racism until about I mean, two years ago, one year ago, because I got I was uh, playing a playing a match. I was playing football, and uh, and a guy on the other team fell over something. Something happened anyway. He started. He said, "Well, at least I'm not a coon." Um, and I was like, "That's really weird." Uh, thing to say and that was the first time I was like oh okay maybe maybe the, all these things that have happened to me like people call me yellow and China man at school I was like maybe this is racism I was like maybe people do see me differently but yeah very recently really that I've considered it that way um, I I'm, I'm like taken aback I'm a little surprised that that the term coon made it to the UK I for some reason I thought that was a very American term racist term well yeah you, I've never, literally, I've never, I never heard it before until I had to look it up. That's, that's, I didn't know. Oh, that okay. But I was kind of like, I, you know, when you hear something, you're like, I know that's, that's not good. You know? Yeah, it just feels then, wrong. <laughs> yeah, it does. And I looked, I mean, then that's the other thing is that that term, or horrible term, and it, and, you know, I was talking to my parents because my mum got called that quite a lot actually at school. Oh, really? Um, but, um, you know, it's not usually a term referred to people who look like me. And so it's, it's that thing of, can I take offense? Mm. You know, if I'm not, if I'm not exactly this, like if, if someone says, you know, I know, terrible term for a white person or an Indian person, can I take offense? Cause I'm not that, you know, I don't, right. I don't associate it as that. Um, and I've, I have always felt that. I don't know about you. That Well, that's the, that's the thing. Like, And I probably have felt differently on and off throughout my life. But where I am now is I'm always stunned, just utterly stunned that all people don't get a stomachache when they hear something grossly racist, regardless of who it's mm-hmm. directed at, right? Like, I'm yeah. not Arabic. I, I'm, I have some friends that are Arabic. My husband is half Arabic. I have heard... Arabic people, especially here in the States, called terrorists just on the, you know, virtue of their ethnicity. And I'm mm. horrified when I hear it. I, mm. But why why are these other groups of people, you know, the vast majority of white people or the vast majority of black Americans, why are they not just as turned off by hearing that term just because it's not directed at them? Yeah. You know, I'm Japanese and, and Asians have a, like, a huge racist deal with even with each other um you know like amongst other asians or whatever like a japanese in particular they're like they're asian we're japanese we got our own island we're north of them we're different better special um and so so when but but at the same time so like i could see older japanese people that i was connected to growing up like hear somebody call a chinese person a chinaman or any asian a chinaman right or um you know any of the other terms and they're just like well it wasn't about me 
But mm. how, you know, like, how does yeah. it not turn your stomach? So where I'm at now is that I can't imagine what it takes for a person who is completely oblivious to how racism makes people of color feel. How that doesn't cross, across, you know, across other ethnicities. Like, it definitely yeah. is disturbing. So it's a strange thing. It, it is really weird. It's weird how compartmentalized we are as people. That um, and so in, in like in your case where you're just like I'm I'm not fully white I'm not fully uh, brown or whatever but this is a derogatory term towards white people can I take offense I want to say yes you know and yeah. if if not on your own behalf then certainly on like a humanity behalf type situation right yeah. you know I think that has a lot to do with you know people's experiences so for example like, I don't understand you know other issues that other people go through that I haven't personally gone to and I wonder whether it's one of those things where you know in the in media we take a lot of our experiences of the way the world is I think from the what the way it's shown in films tv you know music art in general and so when you see particular roles shown in a particular way you know the 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 token mixed race person mm -hmm. that you know is treated as this kind of other foreign thing then that's your only experience, then, you know, you don't really understand it. That's the only way you can understand it. So I think a lot of it comes, a lot of understanding would come from not just people, like things like podcasts like this that, that talk about, you know, actually that where you, when you're asking the simple question of where you're from and denying it is really is a really actually difficult thing to hear right. several times a day. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important that people like talk about it. I agree. I think um, there's this new concept, which isn't fully developed yet, but I've been co-opting the term because it, it, it makes so much sense to me. But in terms of racial studies here in the States, there are um, there's this this thing about the idea of racial trauma and and it's a physical effects on your body, your health, etc. And so like here in the States, and I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but here in the States, um, black people are misdiagnosed at a higher rate than white people in general. And then it it kind of goes down the, the line. So black people first are heavily misdiagnosed and then people of Latin descent and then Asians, you know, all the mm -hmm. way down. And in some cases, it's, it's so bad the the misdiagnosis is that the people are dying at higher numbers than you know than white folks because they're not being properly cared for and mm -hmm. and then there's the other concept which is the one i co-opt called weathering which is you're, you're you've heard so many racist things whether it's an aggression aggression or a microaggression they tax you your body your and your mind so much that your body starts to actually have physical uh, reactions to these things in these sort of little micro, um, I don't know if they really use the term spasms or something like that, but it's just like a, a very small breaking down of your own health and, and, um, and wellness and resilience so that you're almost more open to bad health issues because your body is taxed. It's weathered. Mm. Um, yeah. And so I do, I, I do like this idea of weathering because here in the States, the big buzzword is microaggressions. You know, it's just that everyday racism that people do, don't think is racist and, and they just say it like, where are you from? Or, oh, you're so exotic looking. Where yeah. are you from? You know, that kind of stuff. Pretty much every line from your song, <laughs> you know, like all those <laughs> things that people say to you um, are the things yeah. that are like these microaggressions that they, you know, they they do say well why is it a big deal for me to ask i'm just curious but why are you curious i'm not curious about where you're from 
I've just yeah. accepted the fact that you're from here. You know, yeah. like you talk like me, you look, you know, you know, you look like the other people here. You're just from here. I don't need to further investigate unless we're in something like a ethnography class or an anthropology class or, you know, a social studies class that is dealing primarily with race and ethnicity. Mm. I don't in general have this question about other people, you know, and I'm mixed. Yeah. I love talking about race. I love talking about culture. Um, yeah. But in general, I'm not going to. You know, I don't walk up to every white person I meet and go, well, what kind of white are you? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. But that, I think DNA tests, heritage tests, have actually been really good at highlighting this more recently. Because there's been people, I mean, the the kind of news examples they, they, they throw out are, you know, like white supremacists who find out that they have descent to you know the African continent. Right. <laughs> and, and they go like, what? And, they, you know, they can't believe it. Uh, and it's that thing of tracing your. It's a really good thing. I, I'm going to try and do it this year, but it's, I think it's a really good thing to do, just to see how many. You know, you can be have white skin. You can you can seem to be from one culture. You can think you're from one area, and you can see actually that people have moved and you have heritage from all over the world. Right. Um, and I think that is a good thing for people to realise. You know that we did come from one continent originally, and we you know we are just all human. People say you know what's what's what am I? What am I? And I say you're human. You know, and it would be nice if we, if I, you know, you saw me as just a human and and a British person, to be honest. Uh, right. Uh, but it is a difficult thing. To so, like understand. for me, I've I've always kind of thought um, nothing. You know, I've heard the terms like mixed people are going to save us, right? They're going to save. They're going to defeat racism because eventually yeah. we'll all be mixed enough that you know there won't be any distinguishable races anymore. Yeah. I think that's yeah. garbage. I think it's the silliest, stupid thing. I mean, here in the states, well, look, we have. I think mixed the worst thing is what people worry people worry about it they say oh you know we're gonna lose white people i say what's the, right. what's the worry i don't understand what the problem is right so, <laughs> so like in my, from my perspective and as a mixed person who is probably who probably looks more like people will look like 100 years from now or 50 you know even a 200 years from now or something like that right because yeah. i'm kind of the blending of multiple colors and cultures and, and ethnic ethnicity and stuff like that even yeah. i am thinking I don't I don't necessarily want to lose these things, these groups that make me feel kind of interesting and special, but I I also just do want to be viewed with a certain amount of humanity. I you know, I want you to see me for my for my ethnic background and for my heritage and stuff like that, but I sure. also want you to just leave me the fuck alone, right? Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. think like the only thing that could happen to unite people of all races as a as a full-on human race like people always say i'm human i'm human is -hmm. if we were attacked by aliens like it's the only thing because there's nothing we've done in you know ten thousand twenty thousand years of humanity (laughs) that is showing that we'll unite in any you know sometimes we unite under a common enemy and then we separate Mm -hmm. again you know things like that so unless in the highly unlikely scenario that in the next, you know, couple of decades, some alien species comes and attacks us, we're, we're divided and that's just it. So we need to figure out how to learn about each other so that we can just coexist on this planet without it being a whole crazy thing, you know? And I I definitely agree. But in the song, you know, I say them and us, and I think it is that thing. I think, people realize yeah. who is them and us when, when you say when when you're kind of uh, 
questioned when when you have an enemy that's kind of asking you to unite. But the, but the I think the problem now is that people see mixed people as them, not us. Yes. Uh, and and then they're like, well, that's the new them, and they're going to take over. Right. As this, you know, they treat it as this enemy. And I think like, I looked at a lot of videos online that that have this kind of you know that if people become if people of different colors have children and we get what they say racial mixing which i'm not sure i like that term but um that we somehow lose our heritage that somehow right. as a people as a community we're diluted and i think that's 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 the one thing that i want people to understand i'm very proud of of my heritage and just because sure. you have a different skin color doesn't mean you can't you know, uphold your own heritage, your own traditions, sure, and care and care about them a lot. You know, well, there's um, a lot of weird things that happen to us anyway. Like there's throwback genes that come out from hundred years back that no one understands. Like I, I have a half sister who has blue eye, or she had blue eyes for the longest. Now they're more kind of green, but yeah. nobody in our family is like this. Right. So yeah. where did it come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had to have come from way, way back because nobody in at least the last three generations in which we knew people were living, did we have mm-hmm. this eye color. So clearly yeah. weird stuff can happen. And, <laughs> and to even try to think like the idea of a pure race or a pure group of pure blood, I guess, yeah. for, versus like just being full or half or whatever. This idea mm-hmm. makes no sense to me. Um, not just because of the uh, migration patterns of humanity, but like in my case, I, I am literally, you know, concocted of multiple continents. My black grandfather was in the military and was stationed in London and met my British white grandmother and brought her here and had babies. My white, German, Irish, Appalachian, you know, possibly inbred grandfather, whose family had been here since the 1700s before the United States was even formed, was stationed in Japan during the Korean War, married my Japanese grandma, brought her here. My British grandmother's people originate in Spain during um, Elizabeth I's reign and was captured and brought to the brought to London, and that's why my British family is black haired, you know, like a kind of a steely gray, blue eyed, or whatever. Mm. Um, so, and I said I said blue with my sister, and I was I was meaning green. Like they started out blue, like most babies, but they turn green. There's no green eyed people in my family. But my British grandmother has these steely, icy blue eyes and black hair, yeah. which isn't yeah. necessarily the typical thought of when you picture a British person, you know, it's because it's this throwback from, from far back. So to think that like you come from something pure, (laughs) so stupid. (laughs) But it's that thing of, you just have that, I guess it's that, that ignorance of it, or just, just, you didn't know it because you never, you've never been questioned on it. You've never thought about it, but that's the difference. I think for people who are, you're mixed because they're constantly questioned about it right so they have this sense of maybe i should find out or should look or i should know um whereas if you're white you don't maybe or if you're if, even if you're black if you just have one place that you've always been from the right family, you think that your family's always been from you never you never look into it so much maybe if you're not interested what i imagine is different about black people in 
the UK versus here in the States is here in the States, nobody's asking black people where they're from, because that's going to raise slavery as a ugly conversation that no white person wants Uh, to have. Whereas like in the UK, you have a larger population of um, immigrants from Africa and other nations that, that go there. That happens here, but is so small in comparison um, numbers wise than, than what you experience out there. So like, a black person here has to come with an accent or no one's going to ask the question, where are you from? If they sound uh-huh. like they're from the Caribbean, they're going to assume Jamaican and yeah. forget that there's like 700 other, <laughs> you know, groups in the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, that's um, the thought, yeah. yeah. And the same with African. If you come with an African ac- accent, it doesn't occur to white people here in the States that Africans have different countries that they could potentially mm-hmm. be coming from. So they're all just African. They're just a continent of people, not a, yeah, not a bunch of countries. Crazy, right? Cause it's massive. <laughs> Africa is massive. It's bigger so than everywhere else. Like you could put yeah. our continent and your Island and part of yeah. Asia into Africa. It's <laughs> exactly, so ridiculous. Yeah. Crazy. All right. So going back a little bit more. So you said about 12 years old or so, you kind of started to waken up to the idea that there was something that you guys were being othered for, whether you fully grasped it or not. Do you feel like where you're at now compared to where you are there? Like what happened to you to kind of make you start to deal with this question, at least enough to put it into your music? Um, I think... Well, I think I, like I said, like, I think I just wrote it off uh, for most of my teens as just kind of, you know, that was the, when that uh, waitress said, you know, that can't be a mum. That was about the only time that I got upset about people saying it. I was just used mm. to it. You know, every mm. class, people would write my name on, you know, you get those yellow text uh, books at school. We get these like yellow to write notes in. Yeah. And people would write my name on the front, James, and then hold it up to their face um you know and they just laugh and if i said what the response would be you know just chinaman or and then everyone would laugh and that would be the end so like i was used to it it wasn't and you know this some of them you know it started as a friend thing and then it became like a wider everyone said it and every day and then it became really tiring um and you know i you know to start with i found it funny but you know it's just one of those things i think everyone has their thing at school and you kind of get i just got used to it didn't think a lot of it and it was only when that guy called me a coon, that I started to think, oh, you know, maybe there's more to it. Um, And so more recently, you know, I've just been more aware of the fact that that it's really strange, how strange it is that people care so much. Like there are videos on YouTube telling people don't, you know, don't race mix, like it's a terrible thing. Um, Right. It's the worst thing you can do and you're, you're ruining cultures and you're ruining you're ruining my culture you know it's just I think that's crazy so I think for more now I think it's just this thing of maybe it's an experience thing that people don't understand how mixed people feel and that there can actually be more than one feeling they don't just you know some people are happy that they you know they're half um something and half something or they're whatever and, and they go into that for me it's different I I just think I'm I'm me and I have my skin color and, and I'm proud of it and that's it um so i think it's that thing that people don't understand the nuances and they don't understand the, the difficulty like you said the microaggressions right um and that's and that's why i wanted to put this song out because i wanted people to understand hopefully on that side to understand more of kind of the experience and, and it takes it quite far in the song by saying you know essentially do i have a home 
you know that's essentially what you're making me feel like is that I don't have a home that right. I don't live I'm not from here yeah um, and that part's really touching to to you know me as well and I assume other mixed race people once they hear it which we're gonna play it uh will attach to also it's that they have to like kind of fight or scream just to say like how is it that the place I'm born like the land I'm born on I don't mm-hmm. have access to just because yeah. you've decided you're more fit for this space than I am, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, that's a really, that was a really touching part of the, of the song in particular. Um, so beyond this, beyond the half blood Prince track, um, what else is, do you have for your music? What, what are you hoping to develop into? Yeah. Uh, so I've got a song that I'm releasing in, uh, April. I think it's going to be, is going to be released there. I'm just going to release music now uh, sporadically throughout the year. Okay. Uh, and I'm talking about different issues. I think the next song is about uh, lots of the bullying that I experienced at school. Um, and then, and just moving on, I, I was in a, uh, just to give my understanding of music or what I'm trying to do, the, I w- was in a relationship that broke up last year. And when I came out of it, I have, I don't know how you listen to music, but I have all these different playlists on Spotify. And I was going through all my songs, listening to all these songs, and they were all about love. Mm. And I was, and I got so like, oh my god! Like every song I listen to is about love. This is, and I never realized until then. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, for me, it's really important to write about other things that are important. Like love is important. It'll be one thing that I write about, but it's one of many things. And so a lot of my music are about experiences that I've had, whether it's you know things like this to do with race or to do with bullying or to do with society or free speech or whatever it is so i write about lots and lots of different things um and like i said i'll be releasing lots of music this year um and then see where it goes we are getting close to the end of our time which is pretty wild how fast it went because i was yeah. super tired when we got started because it's the middle <laughs> of the night for me and really early for you yeah. but now i'm not tired anymore um so why don't you it's a question that I just recently started asking at the end of my show because you know we do sure. deal with trauma and, and pain and things like that what is it that you really love about being mixed? Um, I think it's uh, the choice. You know, I feel like it can quite often say, and lots of people say, you know, this is responsibility, and I don't feel like I have a choice because everyone else has an opinion on me. Right. But for me, once you take that back, and you just, and I always say, think of it like a child. Like, like no one else's opinion matters. Like, you don't even think about other people's opinions. You're thinking about yourself mm. uh, and what you think. And I think when you start to think, okay, what, you know, what, what relates to me? What do I want to do? And not overthink it. I think for me, that was the part that now it's really freeing to be just me and have my heritage. And it's really nice that it's quite diverse because it means I get to experience lots of different cultures and lots of different things in a way that maybe other people don't. And I can relate to other people in a way, in a sense, because of that, um, because of my experiences being being mixed, which I think is really great. Mm. Um so yeah, and then on the, I think I should say on a funny side, on a funny note, wherever I go in the world, uh, I always get uh, I always get spoken to in that language because they think I'm from there. So whenever I right. go to Turkey and people start, I learn hello. So I'd say hello, and then they'd start full on conversation with, uh, <laughs> Turkish, and I'd be like, oh my god, I don't, I don't you're like, oops, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I went uh, too far. 
exactly. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't uh, learn learn your language. So that yeah. So like on a funny note, I think that's you know that's one funny thing I get from it. That's pretty funny. There are times when I have pretty decent pronunciation in Japanese, but I have terrible grammar, terrible vocabulary, yeah. not even remotely fluent. But I got like a handful of sentences that I say so good that yeah. a Japanese person will just start talking to me, and then I'm like, yeah. whoa, uh, oh, like I yeah. apologize, I went too far. Um, <laughs> that's pretty funny. One thing we didn't talk about, but tends to come up a bunch, so I'll just ask, even though it's not normally a question that I ask. Uh, what are the foods from your from your different cultures that you really love? Well, the foods. Oh man, that's a good question. Well, in the UK, I mean, they say curry, which was is kind of gets to me a little bit because it's not curry. Um, but uh, oh, just you mean would... the blanket term for all like South yeah, Asian food is curry? Yeah, if you go to India and say curry, I mean, they maybe understand now because they know Brits come over and say that, but they, they, they will have a clue what you're saying. It's an English term. It's a British term, curry. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, India, I love Indian food. Um, I love the kind of sauces that they make. I don't really have a favorite. I kind of, I, I really like spicy food. No, I'm um, a spicy person too. Yeah, so... Um, so yeah, oh, my anything my grandma makes really is just great. She's isn't she's that from, funny? Yeah, yeah, that's the same. Well, okay, so actually, no. For my Japanese grandma, anything she makes, uh, like I will gobble it up. I love it. Yeah. My British grandmother, on the my let me clarify, my uh, Caucasian British grandmother, on the other hand, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. boiled everything and put Lian Perrin mint sauce on everything. So really, oh, I'm gonna take the. Big fat zero on that one. <laughs> I, uh, I, I personally, I, British food, it's always a weird thing, British food, because I think people think like fish and chips, we found, I think, isn't British, but we always think it, we kind of adopted it as British thing. Right. Americans, not, that's the one thing they ask too. If you've said you've been to England, they're like, did you have fish yeah. and chips? It's the only thing. Really? They know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently it's not British. So yeah, I don't really know British food, to be honest, a lot. A huge amount. Uh, um, a lot of meat. Usually. There was a few things growing up, like, um, like you know, my nana would say, we're having bubbles and squeak tonight, or we're having oh, spotted yeah, dick yeah. or whatever. And then, like, to say that to Americans, yeah. and they're like, what are you what? eating? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's, laughs> um, you know, you're just like, whatever, it's their food. Uh, I will yeah. say, though, even though I've I've recently become a vegetarian in the last couple of years, and I've been, I'm transitioning, I'm trying to get all the way to fully plant-based but mm. before this time I, my i do love a british breakfast there's an english breakfast yeah, yeah a proper english breakfast is like I, my favorite things like that's all yeah. the things that i love to eat um <laughs> but yeah i can't have that anymore <laughs> because <laughs> i'm transitioning not even any, like i think beans that's about it beans pretty much yeah like even now um i I yeah I I try to mimic it as and as much as possible and oh, yeah. uh, where I'll have like I'll have like beans on toast or something like that but that's like the closest yeah. that I can get to that old breakfast so that that is one area that I really I actually miss that's the British food that I miss yeah. I am different from most Americans I am a snob about what kind of tea I drink and things like that because oh, I've, yeah. I've had many a stab of a fork in my finger because I didn't hold my cup right or I didn't. Um, you know, pour my tea into my create, you know, my milk and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, yeah, people get really, really upset about that. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. So, yeah. and that's something that is so weird to Americans because Americans like coffee, and coffee, tea yeah. is kind mm -hmm. of a burden. 
like especially like <laughs> wait staff hate to they hate you if you ask for tea you know because it's a whole really? thing or whatever so, um, yeah yeah so like in that case that you know my first my first my early days of my childhood with my nan that's that's what it was it was you know we had tea and then on my flip side my japanese side we have green tea too so there's like times of day uh, that yeah. i really crave like british tea and then times of day i really crave japanese tea and so i'm just yeah. like drinking tea all day long but i am very much a snob about what i get i get all my stuff sent to me from london like um I'm, yeah i do what kind of uh there's there's a couple that i go so there's a place in um in uh is it coventry gardens that it's called um yeah. the tea palace the london tea palace and they have purple oh, yeah. cans purple canisters so yeah i get it from there and i get a couple of them i get oh they're earl gray and they're english breakfast or whatever but i also get this one it's like a green tea but it's got flowers in it it's called blue sky and it smells like fruit punch it it's weird it it doesn't taste like fruit but it yeah it has it has a really lovely flavor to it but it's like a green tea and um so i get that and i get you know their british things i also like um ahmad teas which we don't have here in the states so i have to get it from there mm. yeah. um but i think that's a pretty like general over the counter whatever um yeah. there but not here we can't get it here like here what we get is uh teatleys tetleys teatleys oh yeah tetleys, yeah we get that here and everybody was like oh that's a british tea it's like yeah okay um <laughs> <laughs> we get that and we get what do we get the other one i forget what the other one's called i can picture the box but i can't think of what it's called um but yeah so like i'm a disaster when i go out in public um because <laughs> because i always want tea and um and then i have to you know try to explain that it's because of my upbringing <laughs> One yeah. more, one more way that I kind of out myself as a mixed race person, you know, when I have to go in public because I've asked for something that no American uh, in their Whatever. right mind would do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great when I travel though because everywhere else does it. It's just not yeah, an American thing. Too, yeah. All right. Well, um, all right. Before we get out of here, though, this has been awesome. I before we go, do you want to share your social media and everything with people so they can know how to find you? Sure. Um, my name on uh, Instagram and Twitter is uh, Dugan FP, FBP, Fulber Prince. Um, okay. So, yeah, you can find me at that. I'll send you um, uh, a link. So right. I'll put all the links in the show notes, um, but both your Twitter and your, your Instagram are that. And and then you have a – do you have a SoundCloud channel or do you just have – Yes. One yeah, song? I have a SoundCloud channel and the song's also on Spotify. So I'll send those links again okay. as well. Thank you, thank you for having me on. It's been great, great chatting to you. Well, thanks for reaching out to me. I mean, there's nothing more exciting for me than just a like a random contact that you didn't know somebody before. You, <laughs> you know, like I'm like, oh, how'd you find me? So I'm excited about that. So thank you for reaching out. Um, we're building a community of mixed race people here through Military Mix, but we're also trying to build a footprint of mixed people doing mixed shit <laughs> out in the world like get it out there we could be our yeah. mixed ass selves out there so thank yeah. you again i really appreciate it and um i look forward to hearing more more stuff from you yeah thanks
Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Johnson. Music is by David Bogan, The One. And if you like what you heard on Militantly Mix, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.